Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Oh, all right, here we go. Hey, everybody. Good evening. It's time for a celebration. I'm Glenn Crooks. I'm going to be welcomed momentarily by my clan. Uh, there were four of us out there in Portland at Providence oh. Park uh, providing you our commentary, both in English and Spanish, for the MLS Cup Championship. New York City winning their first title in their first try. So we've got a lot to cover on this Soccer in the City live podcast for you. Uh, it's We've got highlights. So you'll see a lot of what happened yesterday or two days ago. Seems like yesterday. The celebration has continued. A lot of photos. A lot of emotion in those photos and some video that we'll show you. And, you know, we've got the big celebration tomorrow in front of City Hall. Uh, that's uh, registration still open as of about 90 minutes ago. Uh, there were about 300 tickets left, so you might want to get online at some point if you plan to go. And there's also some streaming available. The Yes Network, we, we saw their producer put out a tweet that the Yes Network will have it on live and then we'll replay it several times after that. So you set your DVR if you can. So all kinds of ways to uh, see the celebration in front of City Hall tomorrow. Also uh, later on, so uh, we've got the celebration, but we've also got some dismay on social media because of some roster moves that were announced today by New York City and the rest of the league. And also there's a, a list of unprotected players as Charlotte. They've got their expansion draft tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. So we'll review all of that as well. And also, David Lee, uh, I had an interview with David, a little one-on-one -on -one before the New England game, the Eastern Conference semifinal, where he talked about Maxi Barrales uh, and the negotiations, but how that's not a slam dunk. And then also addressed Tati Castellanos and what is Castellanos worth in the current market and where that might uh, go over the next couple of weeks or so. So some interesting thoughts from David Lee uh, at the end of all this. So, uh, well, I, I do want to introduce my boys, but this is uh, my favorite picture from uh, MLS Cup. This is after the match. I was upstairs taking a shower, and they said, screw him. Actually, I was uh, I was a little late getting down to the uh, hotel lobby. <laughs> that's uh, Roberto on the left, Ariel in the middle, and John Rojas uh, on the right and uh john was my broadcast partner this weekend ariel and uh, roberto uh doing the spanish side of things boys welcome how are you all i'm good glenn good to see you guys uh and i uh, knowing that you guys are back in your safe and sound um don't make me uh remember that moment glenn when you were delaying our dinner 
and I was hungry and dying. <laughs> yes, there's that. <laughs> well, we were, our, you know, we were out there and our schedule was all screwed up with the, the time difference. Not you, though, John. I don't know what you were so hungry about. You should have had it all figured out. John, by the way, for everybody that doesn't know, is living in Portland. So I was very convenient to uh, grab him as my broadcast partner for the day. And he's the former Spanish commentator alongside of Roberto until Ariel replaced him uh, roberto i believe what you said is that uh it, it was kind of a contest and ariel won uh well it was sort of like i've been abandoned by my first two uh <laughs> partners they, they both moved about as far away across the country as they could after working with me for a year uh ariel being the masochist that he is he's hung on for three years all right well well done uh, ariel well done thank and, you uh, so uh, well, let, I wanted to show. Uh, so we're we were we were all at Providence Park. Uh, this f first, this is uh, Ariel and Roberto. Now they were up. Um, you were close to the the halfway line, but uh, up above in the uh, second section, and you were sitting next to Portland Radio, and you can tell uh, Roberto, you look pretty warm. Uh, Ariel, you yeah. look chilly. I don't know what's going on there, <laughs> um, but, but you had you had a great sight line and. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about your area, you know, describe it for us a little bit. Uh, we had a pretty, pretty good view of, of the field and all the action there. We were a, a little bit uh, distant from the field itself, but the vision overall, it was really good. We could see the, the whole um, match, the whole incident, the whole... Uh, how, about, how about the... Could you feel the atmosphere where you guys were? Oh, oh my yeah. God, yeah. could we feel the atmosphere? It was crazy how we could feel it. I have to add one little caveat, though, because where Ariel was sitting, he could see 100% of the field. And what I didn't realize until the game just about started was that there was a pole to uh, – so you see, the you see the photo there. So to my left – yeah, to my left, photo right. To my left, there was a pole that sort of supports the upper deck. And the actually supports the press box that was literally, literally blocking my view of the goal. Well, and so I always had to lean from one side to the other. When the penalty kicks went into that side, then I just literally had to move so I could see the whole sequence I, I, of, of the shooter and, well, the, and the save. The biggest problem for both of you is you're not looking at the field. I mean, what's going on there? Well, that, this was pregame. This wasn't, uh, <laughs> we were talking. And uh, credit to Andy Mead. Uh, who uh, thankfully had to go to the bathroom. And while he was on the catwalk, uh, he saw us there and uh, took a picture and was kind enough to send it to me. So thank you very much, Andy. That is nice. That is nice. Well, I'm, I'm into selfie territory. So here's John and I. And that group of people behind us, this is about 90 minutes to two hours before a kickoff. That's Timber's Army. So that's where we were, Section 111, uh, kind of uh, basically sitting with the supporters, which was uh, – I thought it was pretty cool, John. It was fantastic. I mean, we didn't even need mics for the ambient sound no, no, because they were no. on top of us. <laughs> and then when the Tati score and or, or many other plays that were very excited for NYCFC and Glenn was calling them, I could see people turning their heads looking at us <laughs> like, what the heck is this guy doing? <laughs> I, I saw that a couple of times because they were they were fairly they were the people in front of us were a little quiet at times because things weren't going so well. And uh, yeah, yeah. But they were very respectful. So and, and, they were. And, we had we had nothing yeah. thrown on us. We didn't get a we didn't get anything to the to the face like Jesus Medina. We were yeah. Uh, we were treated with uh, kindly. 
We were very lucky um, because where we were sitting, we were about two sections over from where the thousand New York City FC supporters are. And then obviously everything below us and to the left and in front of us was the other 24,000 Timbers fans. And it's amazing what an atmosphere that they create in that stadium and the support that that team receives, you know, from three hours before kickoff until, you know, an hour after kickoff. It is just absolutely amazing. So, uh, or an hour after the game ends. And so it was really balanced. And, you know, listening back to portions of the game, you could really hear, you know, the, the New York City supporters and you can hear the Portland supporters. And during Callens's shootout goal, you hear very, very clearly how, you know, everybody's yelling, you know, PTFC, PTFC during the whole shootout sequence and then even after the game is over you can still hear them chanting that i mean the support is just wonderful i can't tell you how much i love portland timbers their army everything for everything that they do to bring soccer alive in this country they call that place soccer city and it's earned it it is absolutely 100 percent earned it and congratulations to everybody over there well, John, John pointed out, and forgive me if you just said this, Roberto, I was distracted for a moment, but, you know, after the game was won and the celebrations were uh, ongoing on the field on the on the opposition's pitch, which is always uh, tough to take if you're the home team, but Timbers Army just kept singing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they kept singing. They kept um, like a real send-off for their boys. Yeah. And, and the team responded. They walked towards them, you know, say the goodbyes. Of course, they were, you know, tosh by the moment because they were expecting to give them the crown, the, the, the silverware, and they couldn't. Uh, but that was a really interesting moment, and, and, and the fans were all around in a really good atmosphere. And, and, and we have to appreciate, too, and I think the, um, the NYCFC supporters, right, Third Rail and, and Templados, I think they use this not only as, as, as a party that it was for them of course and well deserved because all the you know they have to put up to be on the road not only this game but the whole season going with the team but I think they learned from this experience too you know seeing this kind of fans from Portland Timbers that have a lot of more time and experience with their team it's interesting how they interact to each other and, and how good the atmosphere were inside you know, the stadium outside the stadium and it's just a, it's a soccer town. It's real interesting. I'll just tell the story really quickly. When I was coaching at Rutgers University on the women's side, there were two places I wanted to take my team because of the atmosphere. One was Portland. The other was Texas A&M. Why? They averaged six or 7,000 per game for a women's college soccer match. But what I noticed after the match, you know, uh, we lost 2-1. You know, what are you going to do? Uh, but there were a lot of people, and especially older people, who just came to the game and they came up to me and said, Oh, your, your team is so nice. You played so well. And, and I, and I remember asking them, do you have a daughter on the team or a granddaughter or what? No, no. We just live in the community and, and come to the games. And I, I think it's, it's very community driven, not just totally. the army and supporters. I just think it's a community of soccer. Totally. And, uh, and, and it's a community that knows the game and you feel that when you're watching games, you know, even, it could be Timbers or Torns, or like you said, college. 
these people get involved in the game. They, you know, uh, scream with calls and they push the referee because they know what's going on with the game, what should be being the call, the proper call in, you know, certain situations. So they are into the game. They're not just at the stadium and a sporting event. Well, as you can see, go ahead, Ariel, sorry. Yeah, not only that, they, I was amazed by the, the coverage that this team, the Poland Timbers, get from the local news. I worked for local news like 20 years ago in Buenos Aires, and so I, it's my guilty pleasure to, to watch local news wherever I, wherever time I, t- town I visit. And every little, little channel of TV or whatever, they were covering this game. They were covering the team. Every night, every night at eleven, you can see, you could see uh, features on the Portland Timbers, uh, interviews to the players, to the technical staff, whatever. That was amazing, amazing. Well, guys, uh, you know, I, and I've, as you can see on the lower third, if you uh, you have any comments or questions, want to join in on uh, on what we're discussing, please do. We've got a lot to go. Uh, we're going to start out with some highlights. Glenn, and, yeah, can you let me uh, because just to close out the, uh, the the supporters and and, and the fans discussion that we have in our, our comments that we have in about them i really want to um you know uh, applaud and appreciate what uh, the nycfc supporters did i mean it's not easy to travel so many miles and 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 get everything straight to be with the team you know work family anything and uh, mm, uh, we were doing the game, and my family, my wife and kids were with the NYCFC supporters that were sitting at the section. And, and it was a really, you know, a festivity atmosphere. They were totally respectful. <laughs> <laughs> this is after the game. Is that your son with a shirt off? So they marched to the streets, Glenn, before the game, right? Yeah. They they had their own party. They were at the stadium. They celebrate with the team. I don't recall an issue, reporter, right, about anything that happens on that section or between fans or anything. And actually, like I said, I mean, my wife and kids were there. And, and the comments that she had was like, I felt fine. I felt secure. They actually helped me out to, you know, keep an eye on the kids. And, and, and it was awesome. So it's really a good, you know, uh, day to celebrate everything that they put up and finish him with, with, with a good performance on the field and, and, the, and the trophy. 1,500 plus uh, traveling. And John, you, you met someone who drove to the game from, from the East Coast? I did not met him, but I, I knew he was coming. I saw his post in social media that he was coming. He started traveling on uh, Wednesday night, I think. To you know, coming to Portland because he was driving, wow. so it's, it's it's amazing. Like I said, it's just it's fantastic. It's not easy. We from South America are we love uh, visitors. We know the game is better when you have both supporters section filled with people and passion. But it's so easy to you know fly one hour or drive two, but yeah. you know driving twenty four. And flying uh, more, six more than that. Not that is, not I think that you need like you need like three or four people just rotate to get out there. You know, it's exactly. Uh, but the um, 
The other thing that impressed me, uh, and, and we all spoke to a number of the supporters in that uh, post-game party, the the fact that they were so loud they could never hear Timber's army. Now that's a supporter site. That's what you're supposed to do. You know, I I, I remember being in the Man City supporter section at uh, at Anfield against Liverpool, and I really wanted to hear "You Never Walk Alone" because it was like that's like a iconic uh, pregame. Couldn't hear a word of it, not a note of it. And it really reminded me of that, that they said couldn't even hear Timber's Army. It was great. All right, so let's, um, let's go through some highlights. And there's, there's a lot of them here. And then uh, what I'd like us to do is you know, at the end of it, uh, each, each, each one maybe just to talk a little bit about our experiences and what we thought. Uh, Going to play the call of uh, the Tati Castellanos goal uh, just before halftime. And then right at the back of it, it's someone in the supporters section who had video of it. It's, I, I didn't see it until about an hour ago. So uh, hopefully this all works out. So here we go. And this will be in an area where New York City could come up with something with the aerial presence of Tati Castellanos. Morales will take it, bends it towards the back bar. Here's the header, and it's a goal for New York City FC! And it's Tati Castellanos, the Golden Boot winner in the 41st minute here in Providence Park! New York City in their first MLS Cup final takes the 1-0 lead. The set piece, Maxi Morales to Tati Casianos, teaming up for the ninth time this year for New York City. Uh, I thought I was excited. <laughs> uh, so, uh, how did you see it, Roberto and Ariel? Uh, we were at, we were in different spots, and and you were a little bit closer to the play. Go, Ariel. Uh, it was a great goal. Um, I think the Poland's goalkeeper had a part in it. I mean, it wasn't that as brilliant as he could have been, but the that's fine. I mean, it was a goal, and Tari Casillas scored, <laughs> and and we were all happy about it. And uh, I don't know what you think, guys, but uh, ten years from now, this club will build a, a statue in honor of Tati Castellanos. His his uh, his legend. No, right no, now. no. It's too early. I think, no, <laughs> I, 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 I think they will do because you you never know when the next MLS, MLS Cup will come. You yeah, never know cool. in MLS. And maybe in 10 years, that's the only one this club has. So why not? Well, let's just not get the original uh, Cristiano Ronaldo sculptor for the Castellanos. Yeah. yeah, definitely not that guy. <laughs> definitely not that guy. But, you know, Castellanos has not written himself into New York City lore. The, the, the street that he's on, because it's ongoing, is just marvelous you're talking about now what is it seven straight games that he's been on the field he scored he scored nine goals and you talk about somebody who helped drag this team to a title and i mean he's not the only one who's responsible everybody has pulled their weight on this team and that's why that they won uh but uh i mean he he's just a major major figure in all of this uh 
one of the things that I've been harping on as far as New York City is concerned about what's going to be one of the keys to, to, to winning a title has been not committing mistakes in the back. And this has been really a team that hasn't done that this year. Uh, there, in, in years past, you can go pretty much every game and say, oh, my God, do you remember this play? Do you remember the back, you know, the back header by Chano against Toronto? Do you remember Matarita taking down um, Richie Lorea? Uh, Richie Lorea. Richie Lorea. Lorea in the penalty box. Actually, that was all in the same game. But I mean, there's been other games like that as or, well. Or where they no hiding behind the wall. Well, yeah, but that wasn't in a playoff game. But this was in a playoff game. And so these are moments that have cost New York City dearly. There have been defensive gaffes and mistakes that has really cost this team. And then this year, this team, for the most part, was absolutely solid. There were very few mistakes. And even like the own goal that Collins scores, it's not something that you say, oh, wow, what a mistake he made. I mean, he's trying to make a positive play and trying to stop Buxa right in front of goal. And it's just unfortunate that the ball went in. And even even Portland's goal, it's a lucky bounce that, that the ball just happens to fall to Mora. And if not, the game's over in 94 minutes, 90 plus four stoppage time, and Sean Johnson has a shutout. But lucky bounces happen, things like that happen. And New York City's resiliency has just been absolutely fabulous this year. Well, and it's proven after the Mora goal and – you know, let, let's look at two games. I mean, the New England game, you give up the uh, – the Castellano scores a brilliant goal, then kind of a knucklehead second yellow, you know, uh, pretty much uh, uncharacteristic of Castellanos, at least definitely for the second half of the season, been a much more disciplined player. He commits a lot of fouls, but but he not, not of that variety, and it was kind of surprising. So he's out, and New England ties it up. And, and you remember – do you remember the, the players on the field, guys? I mean, they – they collapsed. Maxi Morales was face first. Chano was on his back. And there were still like four minutes to play in, in that second overtime. They still had to like get to penalties. But they figured it out and they did it and they won. Same thing here, man. How demoralizing could that – I mean, you're on the brink, man. It's like right there. And I think that's why we saw so many tears at the end of the game. I mean, how emotional was that? And part of it was that they recovered again. Yeah, I mean, we jumped from the goal – to all the way down to the last minute of the of the game. Well, we'll get we'll but get to I, that. No, I've no, got no. The, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but, but but it's okay because everything that you said, I mean, you know, it, it's true, and you have reasons not only because you analyze the game, but you leave situations like that before as a coach and see those situations. But for the people out there, I mean, someone like Guardiola said it today regarding NYCFC. When he was congratulating NYCFC, he said, it's amazing how they got back up to the game after allowing that goal, after getting that goal, because it's devastating at that point. And they did. And that talks about a really good game and a really good team, I'm sorry. And, and, I'm, and I'm glad they did it because it's, 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 the, it's the team, is the togetherness, is screaming out what they have been working on. And it's and it's totally true. They 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 had issues, right? I mean, during the first part of the of the uh extra time, they were checking, they were allowing Portland to get the best of the ball and they were trying to get their heads, you know, together. Even we mentioned that, Glenn, 
that uh, Chano ended up the regulation time, the 90 minutes plus addition, fighting with the assistant referee, fighting with the referee because of the, um, the foul that he saw on that play of the goal. And he played the first part of the extra time. And at half time or the extra time, he went back to the referee. <laughs> Yeah, it was, a, so, it was so crazy. He, that, he didn't forget. Could, yeah, he didn't forget the situation, but he tried to focus on the game the first fifteen minutes. I was afraid that that thing with Chano could take him out of the game mentally. I mean, I mean, the guy was so fixated what what happened in the in the area, the goal, and whatever. I said, "Oh my God, this guy cannot get well, things straight right had, now." What did you guys say about that? Because we were we were we were amazed that he spent the entire set. You know few minutes in between, you know, still on the referee. And then he came out and he played fine. You know, he played well, you know, and uh, Hey, so in the, so the first overtime was, was, a, was a bit of a drag and New York city held on though. They held firm, but then the second overtime, they had a lot of the play, including, so here we go. There's a 35 pass sequence, John Rojas, master technician. And he's also put our call into this, but let's just check this out. And, It ends with Sean Johnson make a fabulous save, but here we go. Morales with another interception. He and Sands have done well in the midfield, winning the ball for New York City. Maxi Morales, you can tell he's also struggling a bit, but was able to get on his feet after he was knocked down and find Tavon Gray, back of square ball to the right side. Now it's swung back to the left. It's Morales who drifted out wide, joining Malde Amundsen. Now they're both in the uh, Portland end. Maxi Morales directing traffic, not only moving himself, but pointing at his uh, teammates where to play the ball. New York City struggled in the first overtime, but here in the second session, it's looked better. Shradi gets it to his left peg. Just going back to fundamentals, Glenn. Good passing, long sequences. The ball is our ball. Let's take care of it. And that way, it's easier to defend at the same time. Portland trying to press on the ball back to Sean Johnson, but New York City breaks it with Sands. Sands, now to Maxi Morales, the uh, playmaker, the number 10, drifting out wide left, and he basically stops and puts his right foot on top of the ball. Now Sands looks for Amundsen. Malde's in, Moreno defending. Malde has to pivot out away from the pressure to find Maxi Morales. Morales still directing traffic, And moving at a good angle of support, Alfredo Morales goes back to Collins. He's got some pressure from Mora, and Collins does well. He can play with his feet, and he finds Sean Johnson on the reverse. If Now Cheneau. If this sequence finishes on a shot, Glenn, we got to look at the video because it's going to be a long sequence with a lot of passing before any kind of chance for New York City FC. It's moving the rival side to side. And New York City switches right to left. They're still on the ball. Portland hasn't had it for a number of passes by New York City. Now Magno into Shradi. The overlapping Gray. Gray in the area. His shot is parried away by S Steve Clark. Why didn't he catch it? And now, though, it is Nias Gota starting the counter for Portland, leaving it for Valari. Valari running on goal. Wide right for Paredes. His shot on Johnson and a diving save by the city keeper. All right. I th I think Steve Clark struggled in that game, and I, I, I had forgotten that I made that call, but that was not a strong shot. That did not have much pace, and he's palming it out of there, and that could have been dangerous, but they still get the counterattack of the shot. So 
Oh, hold on, Roberto. I can't hear you. Are you? Did you mute yourself? Yeah, he's muted. <laughs> Myself, sorry. Oh, there you I go. was about to say that uh, Sean Johnson, that save on Paredes, saves the game. That absolutely saves the game. And here's the difference, right? Sean Johnson is a top-level goalkeeper in MLS. He is the third goalie on the U.S. national team, right? He has the trust of Greg Bearholder. He has a special place there. Maybe he's not going to play, but they need him there. They he's a leader. He's a captain of the he's a captain of New York City FC. Steve Clark, he's okay. He's not great. He's not uh he's not awful. And there's and there's a difference, right? And it's a big difference. And Sean Johnson can steal games for, for New York City FC, and Steve Clark doesn't seem to have that level of being able to do that. Now you said that Steve Clark, that the goal that he allows on Tati Castellanos, you first described it as a howler. And then I kept on going back and looking at it. And I don't think it's a howler. I just think it it's – well, you think I, it's a howler because I, said I, don't think he's, I don't think he stops that play. I don't think that if Tati Castellanos heads that ball five times in the same area, he probably misses it four. And here's the reason. He's just not that good. Sean Johnson makes that save. Okay. Matt Turner makes that save. Steve Clark just doesn't. He and just the, doesn't have enough quality. Second it's string not a USL howler. keeper. Second string USL keeper makes that save. Okay, I'm telling I you. I don't. I don't. I, I. I don't know. I don't know that. I don't think he's a. I don't think he's a second level uh, USL keeper. I just don't think he's as good as the top level keepers in MLS. And you would expect a Sean Johnson to make that save, and you expect a Matt Turner to make that save, and. Clark may make that save, but he may not make that save. And that's part of the reason why New York City is a champion right now and the Portland Timbers aren't. Yeah, and, and great goal scorers put shots on frame, and that's where Tati has really improved during the course of the year. So, yeah, you put it on goal, and anything can happen. And it, it happened. And there's three elements on that play, on that goal. Uh, one is Tati Castellanos heading that ball I mean, and we're talking only the, the final seconds of the play, right? I mean, I, I review the whole, as, as I always do, I review the whole sequence. And, and even on, on our broadcast before uh, Morales is taking the, the set piece, I'm seeing how away from Clark at the top of the box is the defense. And I told Glenn during the broadcast, I mean, that ball has to be away from Clark because Portland Timbers is playing that defense so high so Clark can come out and defend that space because he's going to see it clear without obstacles around. If the ball is away from him, he's not going to go out. He's going to hold his position. But Tati Castellanos hit the ball, trying to make that ball hit the ground before in front of Steve Clark. And that is one of the mistakes of Clark in that play because he has to read the, the forward that he has in front of him. He does, if he goes by no looking at the ball, but looking at the bounce of the ball, he catches that ball. The other two elements are surface and new ball. Believe it or not, they play a role in this. Well, they trained all week. Hey, John, uh, we do have a, and, and we've asked for your comments, so you just put them out there and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll make the decision whether uh, we could share them or not. But we'll certainly share this one from DJ. And, John, I know your response to this because we talked about it uh, before the game, then we talked about it during the broadcast. Uh, Sebastian Blanco, such an influential figure for Portland throughout his career. 
uh, when he's on the pitch, they're a better team. But uh, here's the question. Should he have come in just the last half hour? Did Gio Savadesi maybe make the wrong decision this time? Listen, I, um, we all like Gio because we know him uh, as a person and, and we know his career, right? We yeah. saw how he worked hard and fought all the way to get to the point that he is and he had a lot of space to keep growing. Um, but in my view, without the whole bunch of information that he may have as a coach, of course, there's, there's, you know, it, it can be written as a mistake. Not only Blanco, but the pairing of the two changes that he made, having for Shive instead of Paredes and Blanco. If you have Blanco that you know he's not 100% from the start at 11, you need the two guys behind him Shara uh, and Paredes or Foshiwe to be at the top game. And Foshiwe wasn't the guy to be at the top game. Paredes came all the way through the position being a great contributor, a gay helper for Chara in that position. So if you have Blanco in front of them, Blanco is struggling, and then you have Foshiwe struggling, you open in a channel so New York City FC can hold the ball properly and manage the tempo. You don't want that. So, yes, for Portland Timbers, if they bring in Blanco, you know, the last 40 is totally different than bringing him from the beginning because the structure on that weight of play, they both play like you call it a, a, a mirror formation, right? 4-3-2-1. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and, and the big difference is that central channel because, of course, the game is going to come through the wins and you have um, Chara, Diego, and you need a good pairing for him, and for Chile wasn't, and Blanco wasn't himself. Uh, it was a very hard uh, choice for Gio. Um, remember the, the the press conference at Providence Park on Thursday, uh, both NYCFC and, and Portland Timbers. Um, Blanco stole the the press conference. He was brilliant, but. Basically, what he says all the time is that I am ready. I need to play because I am ready, and I will deliver in this very important game against NYCFC. So after he says that, how can you say no? My best player is not playing from the very get go. He will wait he, 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 he basically said it's up to the coach at that press conference. He yeah. looked right at him. Yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah he did. Yeah. So it was so let's very have... hard. All right, well, let's move on. So uh, that 35 pass sequence, I didn't at the time. I didn't realize it was 35 passes, John. Good counting. That's a tough count. Um, so uh, second overtime uh, complete. It's still one one, and uh, we go to penalties. So what we're going to do now? I thought I looked through it. I, I had fun. I know I'm on the call, and John's on the call here. But uh, we're going to look at um, the entire penalty kick shootout here. And for those uh, who are New York City supporters, I'm sure they will really enjoy reliving this. Maybe they recorded the game and they've watched it 20 times already, but uh, here it is. In the Eastern Conference semifinals, five for five in penalties. Alfredo Morales, Tiago, Ismael Tajiri Shradi, Maxi Morales, and Alexander Collins. Tati is the first one. Tati Castellanos leading into that match the only player for New York City this year to take penalties. He is four of five in penalties this year, saved by Matt Turner. Ten of the finals had come to extra time. Four decided by PKs. All right, 
Tati Castellanos against Steve Clark. The first penalty upcoming. Castellanos approaches and he finishes past Clark, drilling it low to the shooter's left. Clark guessed correctly, but it was hit perfectly by Castellanos. And here comes Sean Johnson, who saved the second kick by New England in the shootout in the Eastern Conference semifinals. Adam Buxa, that was a big moment for Johnson in New York City. Felipe Mora for Portland Timbers taking the first penalty kick. No doubt about it from Castellanos, just straight up. Yes, Mora is one for one this season in the regular year from the spot. Slight angle to the right, he's a right footer. Takes it, and it's saved by Johnson! Sean Johnson dives to his right! Mora didn't put much on it, was more trying to place it! And New York City after the first round of penalties in the MLS Cup Final. They lead it 1-0. Chanel run all the way from the midfield to halfway up to the box, used to celebrate with Johnson. Morales coming out to take it now. Alfredo, Alfredo. Morales, Alfredo Morales converted the first kick against New England, the first of five straight for New York City FC, advancing to the conference finals on penalties. 30 years old, acquired this season by New York City. Approaches, stutter step, here's the shot. It's saved by Steve Clark. Morales to the shooter's right. Clark guessed correctly, and he's celebrating right now with Timbers Army. Steve Clark has a great relationship with the supporters. He did at Columbus, he does here at Portland, and here comes Diego Valeri. And in the same way that Chanel came to celebrate, he came to uh, to be with Morales, Alfredo Morales after him is the PK. Here comes Valeri, he's gonna take it. He approaches the shot, another save by Sean Johnson! Sean Johnson with his second penalty kick save! Wow, on Diego Valeri, who was one of two in the regular year for Portland. And again, Johnson diving to his right. Same corner to the right hand of the keeper. Sean Johnson, full extension on his body, stretched everything he could, and he stopped Bob Piquet there. The referee, the assistant referee actually, is having a war with Maxine Chanat, asking him not to leave the center of the field. Maxi Morales is going to take it right now for NYCFC. Maxi had been 5 of 12 for the penalty spot leading into the New England match. He made it there, and he makes it here! Maxi Morales and the double fist pump as he finishes it! Wow! Sean Johnson comes up to give the little Argentinian a hug, and New York City takes the 2-1 lead in penalties! Maxi Morales had issues with PKs during the season and in key moments for NYCFC. This postseason, he took it, he scored it, NYCFC won. And now he took it, he scored it. Let's see what happens. Maxi Morales converted the fourth kick for New York City against New England, converts the third here. Santiago Moreno on the ball for Portland Timbers. 21-year-old Colombian, slight angle to the left. He'll take it with the right. Sean Johnson on the line, takes the shot. Johnson gets left. Marino went the other way. And Portland ties it up. Dallas Magno is coming for NYCFC. Magno did not take a penalty against New England. His Brazilian mate, Tiago, did and converted. Ever started the game against the Philadelphia Union in the conference final, but Magno came in in the second half as a substitute. 
and scored the game winner for New York City FC. He's a cool 18-year-old. What can he do here with his fluorescent green boots? He approaches the shot, and he finishes past Clark. To the shooter's right, Clark's left, and Tylus Magno gives New York City a 3-2 lead in penalties. If Sean Johnson can save this kick, or if it's missed, New York City wins MLS Cup. Christian Paredes on the ball for Portland Timbers in front of Sean Johnson. This will be Paredes' first penalty taken in 2021. He keeps the ball before putting it on the spot. Paredes, again, slight angle right. He approaches the ball. Here's the shot, and he finishes. Goes down the middle. Sean Johnson guesses left. Alex Collins making his way to the penalty spot. Alex Collins, the fifth and final taker for New York City against New England, stroked home the game-winning penalty. Can he do it again for the MLS Cup for New York City FC? The Peruvian international, Alexander Collins, 29 years old, defender of the year for New York City in 2017. Regular for Gareca now on the national team. He angles to the right. He'll boot this with the left. Collins approaches the shot. And New York City wins the first MLS Cup on their first try. Seven years in this franchise. And they're going crazy. Players, coaches running all over the pitch. The pitch that's owned by Portland, Providence Park. Now we're gonna pay attention to Ronnie Dyla. He promised something to the fans. Glenn, let's see if that happens. All right, well, we saw it all there, and uh, well, and it did happen. It did. Um, I, <laughs> did not, I didn't download that. It's been seen 600,000 <laughs> times on Twitter, so. Good enough. I, I figured I, I, I'd let it go. But here's what, here's an interesting point I want to make. I think uh, when we went to dinner the other night, I, I think I expressed this to you guys, um, is um, I did a recent interview with someone who indicated that Gio Savarese does not practice penalties. He does not prepare for penalty kick shootouts in the same manner as Ronnie Dyla. Ronnie Dyla said before New England that they practiced it three times where they did the walk up from the halfway line. You know, they went through the whole routine. Obviously he said you can't replicate 25,000 in the stadium, but there's a, there's a, there's a difference in how they prepare and the approach and you have to say, uh, looking at the two penalty kick shootouts, New England, and then against Portland, uh, perhaps the Ronnie Dylaway is the most effective. And when I say he, doesn't practice them, he leaves the players. It's up to their own devices to train it, you know, to, to finish and work on it as they as they like. He doesn't do the scenario. This is what I was told. Gio has never said this to me. I'm going to ask him someday. No, I mean, as, as far as I see and as far as I know, um, yeah. The players are the one taking PKs and practice and all that. But again, this is after the fact, to be honest. I mean, the, the most important thing is that the message goes uh, and, and, and the players take it in the right way. Because at the end of the day, you cannot replicate the scenario. You cannot replicate your legs and the miles that you have in that moment and, and their minds and, you know, everything that is going on 
on that exactly moment. You cannot replicate it. And you never, yeah. ever do not think, I know that I can put this ball on the, you know, top corner. Because you're not going to think about it when you're going to make it. So, Well, you're exhausted from playing 120 minutes if you started the game. You're mentally beaten down from playing that. You're in opposition territory. There's all sorts of things that are going on. There are things that you could just never replicate and that you just basically have to try to tune out as best as you can. And you try to do that, I guess, via routine. And every different player has different ways of doing these things. But, uh, you know, you, you try to make it a routine. Just like if in basketball, and I know John loves this, uh, when you're hitting, when you're trying to shoot a free throw, you know, in, in a packed arena that everybody's against you, you know, you, you, you just go on a routine that you've already set and you're just concentrating on what you're having to do. So, you know, uh, as opposed, the only difference, obviously, is that you don't have somebody uh, in the net trying to, to stop the shot, which is what happens in soccer. And, you know, they're going through their own routines and everything of what they're, they're going to do. So there's a little bit of luck involved as well. Yeah, but I do want bizarre. to, uh, uh, Ariel, let me, I just want to interrupt for a moment. Yeah. For anybody that I don't know how they're uh, going to be able to hear this, apparently our YouTube portion of the broadcast has been interrupted so uh, we are on my Twitter, at Glenn Crooks. We're also on my Facebook page. It's fine, Glenn. It's fine now. I it? just check. It's, uh, yeah, I just check, and it's, it's going fine. Okay. We, bet, we better right. not run any more uh, video. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I sent you something for in your email. Check it, because I think it's important for I'm you trying, to share it. I'm, try, I'm, I'm, I'm working on it uh, to try to get it done without disconnecting. So I'm, I'm working on it. Oh, hopefully have it up. And uh, DJ says we're back on and John says we're back on. So we must be back on. Ariel, I interrupted. Go ahead, man. No, I was going to say that uh, how bizarre or strange is Diego Valeri missing a penalty in the important game for Poland. That's that doesn't happen. Never. <laughs> it happened Saturday. So the odds worked uh, for New York City on, on this weekend and they played really well and all the lack that was necessary to get the first MLS Cup was there for NYCFC. So yeah, some of it's cool. luck. I, I want to make one more point about uh, penalties. So, and this is related to Ronnie. This guy's Norwegian. His name is Ger Jorday. I interviewed him on my Series XM show. Uh, he is a he's a researcher. He's a PhD, but he's a soccer guy. But he what he did, and, and he has written papers on. Uh, performing in high-pressure situations, specifically penalty kick shootouts. And he did analysis over, I don't remember how many games, but it was an enormous amount of games, a lot of interviews with coaches and players. And he consulted with Ronnie years ago when Ronnie was coaching club ball in uh, Norway. And part of his message was that you should do the scenario to prepare for the penalties because whether they're exhausted, I know the situation, 25,000 screaming, it still puts them in a more calm state of mind when they're stepping to the spot. So I'm just going to add that, that it's also been researched by this guy and studied. And I recognize that's not pure uh, and, and the purity of the game. But uh, he, he said uh, empirically it's proven. You work on it, you have a greater success. And it's not that it's right or wrong. You know, yeah. I mean, I think both approaches are okay, depending on the group and how the group takes that approach. Uh, what is really true is that 
whatever you're doing, especially on the game, the more you do it, you know, the more mechanical for you it is. So, you know, going to that study, for example, the point is that if you do it, you don't have to think. So the pressure is not on you because you go by the way you already know that you're going to take your PK. You don't think it on that moment. What I'm going to do, I'm going to go right, I'm going to go left. You had that result. That is out of your mind because you already went to take 5, 10, 15 PKs on practice. So, it's, But at the same time, that message has to be well taken by the group because there's players that are going to tell you, like, I don't care. I can miss 20 PKs on practice and I'm going to make it on hard situations because I get pumped and I feed myself from the crowd, right? And, 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 and do it in a proper way. And, and it could happen. So it, it, it's important to do repetitions in the game. But at the same time, the other, in the other hand, you can't replicate the moment. Well, Ronnie Dyler won this one. And I don't know if it was because of, of, of setting a scenario or if it no. was just luck or whatever. I don't no. believe – I don't think PKs are luck. I just no. don't. You no, know. I don't think Sean John's uh, Sean Johnson's saves were luck. I think, you know, he's a veteran. He he knows he knew where they were going. I mean, he he anticipated both of those. It's it's so clear for me, Glenn, and I, I mean, you guys. I think you guys listened to to the press conference after the game, and it's so clear for me that is so much work from Sean Johnson and the staff, especially scouting PKs or scouting, um, you know. Um, uh, angle selections of some of the best players in Portland Timbers that he didn't want to talk about it. When he was asked about it, he avoided the question just going to the, you know, the, the, the uh, 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 current place in which he is playing the hard work and, and, and being in the moment and so on and so forth, but not actually responding to how much was scouting and how much was just trying to read the player. And when they're not willing to talk, it's because there's a lot of work put into that and a lot of keys in that work. Well, you know what it meant to everybody uh, involved with the team afterwards. And I thought, and we talked about a lot of people crying after the final whistle, and that includes uh, the head coach, uh, Ronnie Dyla. But he here's, a, here's a short clip. Uh, listen in. This is, uh, this is from ABC. And this entire staff, it's been a difficult two years. You've been asked to play home games at your bitter rival stadium in front of no fans. You've been asked to go into some hostile environments. Well, I I hadn't seen that until about 90 minutes ago. And Oh, yeah. I, I mean, Ronnie was just – but again, you know, look, the pressure on a, on, a, on a coach in particular, the head coach, but you saw – Nick Cushing jump on his back. I mean, the emotion, that's Daniel Fradley and Efrain Juarez that are in that hug with him at the end. And um, it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of pressure. You're in New York City. Uh, these people are not uh, blind to the Ronnie out, Lee out, Sims out. It's all yeah. seen. And uh, I just think, and, and, you know, what I like about Ronnie Dylan, he's always been very honest, and he's honest about the fact he's still learning. He has said that often. And, uh, well, he got it right. And uh, I think his ability to build a team, I, you know, tactically, you know, is good. You know, you know the, the system, the, the, the shape, all these things. But his greatest ability, in my estimation, 
being able to, uh, as we are, uh, to speak to him quite often and then observing things and knowing how happy that team was, uh, especially this year, even in times of dismay, they stayed together. I think that's very much Ronnie Dyla. He's a team builder. He's shown it in the past, and I think that's maybe his greatest attribute. Okay, I'll stop sharing videos. They, they kicked us off YouTube again. Well, yeah, yeah. What I see in, in Dyla is uh, he's a great coach, soccer coach, but what I gather is that he's a great mental coach for these guys. I mean, he really is. Um, he turned things around really fast this year. And, and, and I, will, I am the first to accept and, and, and tell that I didn't like what he did in many games, in, in many, many, many games. But when the, the time arrived to, to perform in real big games, the last games of the regular season, and especially in playoffs, he was brilliant. And he was really brilliant, and that's uh, that's not easy to find in those moments. Um, so he's uh, he's a coach that everybody will will start talking about in MLS. We've been talking about him for for a couple of seasons now, but he's been kind of ignored by the league in, during during a, a long time, two years. But now it's impossible to avoid talking about Dyla, so talking positive things about Dyla. Yeah, here's what Rob, we learned. Uh, here's what we learned second. about him. Rob, just one sec. We are we're back. We're back in in, in YouTube. Just you know, so you know. Well, the ne- hey, by the way, the next clip I'm going to play is from New York City FC. It's from the club. So if that no. gets eliminated, then yes, YouTube needs to consider reconsider their guidelines. They're not. They're just <laughs> going to kick you off. That's what they're going to do. They're going to say we don't need your problem, and they're going to kick you off, and you'll never be able to get back on again. They they don't, don't care. The, the right, guys that go, take go ahead, you. Go. <laughs> let's, let, yeah, let's go back to the topic. So I, I just wanted to say this about Ronnie, okay, is that he has his instincts and he trusts his instincts, and he's not going to do what we expect him to do unless we have the new expectation, which is he trusts his instincts. There were games where he felt that his players on the field, he didn't need to change, and he was going to stay with the same 11 for 90 minutes if he had to because he felt that that was the best chance that he was going to have to win because he felt that his team or individual players on the team weren't getting tired, weren't missing their assignments, and that they were doing fine and there was no reason to change anything. He wasn't just going to change for the sake of changing, just because, oh, the clock's at 60, and so 99% of managers start changing players at the 60th minute. He didn't care. He just didn't care. He looked at his team and he said, they're doing fine. I don't need to change anything. And when his team wasn't doing fine, he's like, screw it. Here come three. You, you, you. Come on. We're going we're gonna to make a change. And that's what he wound up doing in Philadelphia. Change the game. Although he will, uh, they allow the first goal after he makes the three changes. But then New York City just totally dominated the rest of the game. And they got the win. Hey, this, think, is, hey, this yeah. is just in. I, I thought we would just show this as soon as possible. Uh, this tweet came in at 9.42. Roberto shared it with me. I think I got it right. But let, this is... You know, everybody talks about, are we going to get a trip to the White House? I would say yes now. This is from uh, the back. There you go. How about that? Uh, And not only that, especially when folks count you out and write you off, I hope to see you soon. That's an invitation. Oh, totally. Okay, always keep the faith. 
Especially I... when folks count you out. Do I <laughs> yes, have a President pass? Biden? That's great. Right. That Do I have great. a pass? Only if it was I... only one game, the most important of the season. Do I have a pass? <laughs> I, I, I would hope so. Hey, the, uh, you know, President Biden's a soccer fan. He's visited yeah. the U.S. Yeah, national hey. team. He was with them in Brazil uh, before, the goal, the, before the game against Ghana. So, uh, and he's been with them in other occasions as well when the team played in Philly. So uh, he, uh, he likes soccer. He, yeah. I don't know how much he knows, but either well, he wrote it, somebody he knows wrote it. And we put it under his name, and I mean that's brilliant. Remember that uh, I think it was a tweet too, or he said something. No, he tweeted that when he, when, I think it was in campaign or before the campaign started, that once he, if he will uh, be the president, the woman will be uh, getting uh, good help to get equal pay right talking yeah. about the u.s woman he's, national been, he's been very supportive of the u.s so he's very supportive right. of that process yeah, yeah. and okay. then uh, and then the uh perhaps the next president of spain also chimed in here let's see Dome <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, he's, the, he's the he's the general of catalonia Ariel. <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah, yes. perhaps but uh more going for the the Catalonian office and the Spain yeah, office, of right? Now. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Well, so Ronnie no. Dyla's predecessor was at, he was at New England for that yes. game. He was in the stands for that, yes, and yeah. then uh, obviously was watching this. So uh, nice to hear from Dome. You absolutely. were talking about. I, Ronnie. I think he went to Philadelphia as well. I think he had said he was going to go to Philadelphia. Oh, no, he yeah, went. I, no, he went home before that. He actually went home. All right. He went home before that, back to back to uh, back to Spain. So uh, let's just run through just a couple other things that. Uh, okay. So this was, um, I thought this was uh, this was nice. I'm trying. So Sean Johnson was the uh, MLS MVP. Is a couple of saves, and then the big save Roberto described as uh, maybe the biggest uh, point in the match or moment of the match. But uh, this is I, I don't have any of the audio, but he went on the Michael K show today, which is all right. Yeah. So that's that's a big it's a, a show in New York City. That doesn't talk about soccer, I'm sure, ever. And But maybe Michael Kay, I, we all know this now, having gone to Yankee Stadium during the pandemic and doing broadcasts, Yankee, Yankee broadcasters were not permitted on the road for a long time. So they would be, during a soccer match at Yankee Stadium, they'd be in the booth next to us calling the Yankees game off of a monitor like if they were in Boston or somewhere. So he's, yeah. he, he's watched a little soccer this year inadvertently. Well, the funny thing about Michael Kay is that he normally doesn't go too further out of baseball. And I remember being at Madison Square Garden at a Ranger game, covering the game, and Steve Levy, who was very good friends with Michael Kay, brought, and Steve's a huge hockey guy, and uh, Steve brought him to a Ranger game, and, we had, and I found out that that was the first time that Michael Kay had ever been to a Rangers game. So uh, he probably has been to more M MLS games by the fact that he had to broadcast the Yankees from uh, Yankee Stadium while New York City FC was playing. Now, uh, we have um, – and, and this goes into what uh, Darley Senegal Baptista just wrote us, if you want to pull that one up, Glenn. And uh, he says, hi, all. Ariel mentioned about the local media coverage in Portland. Do you see New York City local media doing the same in, this, in the short future? Answer is no. Sadly, at least this is my answer. And the reason I say that is that there are too many dinosaurs, if I could say that, 
running sports newspapers, sports sections, radio stations, who just basically want to keep to the basics, which is football, basketball, baseball. Every so often we'll throw in a little bit of hockey, and then that pretty much ends it. There'll be tennis and golf when the majors are around, and that will pretty much be it. So unless new blood comes in and takes over, or we have guys who are soccer knowledgeable, the Frank Isolas of the world. So like if they, for instance, do a radio show every day, he does one for Sirius, but it's only NBA on the NBA channel. So like if he gets something at ESPN or at WFAN, you know, that he might decide one day, you know, screw it. I'm going to talk about soccer and do that because he's knowledgeable. He loves the game. He loves MLS. So, you know, unless we get somebody like that, it's going to be very, very hard. And we hope that things change. I know that Michael Kay brings on uh, Ian Joy before really big New York City games, playoff games, etc., or the Red Bull games to talk. But that's pretty much it. And the big problem that we have in New York on New York radio is that aside from the Maggie Grays of the world, who's now leaving FAN and going to CBS, there aren't a lot of people who actually know soccer. You can go and go look at old Mike Francesa video or audio of him trying to read promos that, that talked about New York City and the Red Bulls. And he said, what are these? Are these soccer teams? Are these teams? What are they? And that's the level. He's not alone there. He's not alone. He's not the outlier. He's the normal, regular fan in New York who just doesn't get soccer and doesn't follow soccer. And, you know, maybe not enough has been done to try to reach those people. Or maybe you just forget about those people and you concentrate on the kids Robert, and bringing up everybody no, it's you know, more, to start following soccer. It's more the people that lead the show. You mentioned Maggie Gray. We both know Maggie. And uh, I contacted her before the Toronto game in 2019, the playoff game, after New York City had won the regular season Eastern Conference title. And I told her that, you know, this is like, this is huge. And it would be great if you don't, you don't have to bring me on, bring somebody on for like a five minute spot just to promote it. Uh, she got back to me later. And because of the time of year, it was like the postseason in baseball, football was just starting. You know, it was like a combination of things uh, that she just said, we, we just don't have enough time in a four-hour afternoon show to, to here's put a reason. me on or you on for five minutes to preview this game. And here's someone I, who supports the sport to the best of her ability, but somebody told her no. No. Exactly. Right. Here's the reason. Right. Here's the reason. Because they panicked. The ratings, you know, the ratings game is so hot, right? The competition between WFAN and ESPN is so hot that they're deadly afraid that if you start talking soccer, that people are going to change the channel immediately and go find, you know, if you're on ESPN, you know, go find what FAN is doing. And if you're doing it on FAN, what ESPN is doing. They're deathly afraid of that. I don't know if it's real or not, but that's the fear. And this was a fear when I was working at ESPN and I was telling, asking some of the producers that I, that I knew personally and well, you know, why aren't we doing more soccer on SportsCenter? And they were producing the show is that, because I'm afraid I don't put it on because I'm afraid that people are going to literally leave the show and go find something else. And this is the way they think. And it is, if that mentality continues, right. And you don't address it, 
and you don't start adding it little by little and get people comfortable with it and then maybe interested in it and more than that, then it's going to be impossible to grow ratings. It's, it's seriously impossible to do it because these guys don't want to mainstream it. They refuse to. There's a new uh, poll that came out that now puts soccer ahead of hockey as a fourth major sport in this country. I'm not saying that's MLS. I'm just saying the sport. So that includes EPL. And if you're talking about the United States, then you're really talking League IMX, which is the number one soccer league right. in this country. It's not right. even close. It's not even a competition, right? The game last night between Atlas and Leon probably had somewhere between 2.7 and 3.2 million people, while the MLS game probably did anywhere between 800,000 and 1.5 million, including Tulane and uh, Univision and ABC. Yep. So, good point. I mean, EPL doesn't have those ratings. As a matter of fact, the MLS game that was played on Thanksgiving between Portland and, uh, and Colorado had 1.8 million people. EPL has never, ever in this country had a rating as high as that. So, you know, for all the Euro snobs that think that the only people that, that, that EPL is the, the greatest. And, you know, I love EPL. We all love EPL. And, and all that doesn't mean you can't, you know, watch MLS and watch EPL. I mean, which is ridiculous to think not. But, I mean, that was really good for MLS. And it, it, it comes at a good time for Don Garber as they initiate conversations about what the next television package is going to be. Can I, can I tell you my experience with that? Because um, yeah. b before Ariel was talking uh, how impressed he was with the local news, the local uh, TV channels in Portland covering the game and having packages and, and futures and interviews around the game and around the club. Well, I work for Neo One, which is the local news station in New York, one of the most well-known stations in New York uh, for, for about 10 years. And, uh, and I had to fight my way to get soccer news, actually sports news, like a real sec big segment of the wheels. And, and at, at the end of the fight, I won the fight and I got my own segment, but I had to myself, I had to produce the segment. I had to edit the segment. I had to anchor the segment. So basically if you want it, you do it and put it on the wheels so it can go no, on air. It sounds yeah. like it sounds like the the young men who are covering the sport in the New York area, Ryan Garbosi at Newsday, uh, Jake yeah. Beasley at at the New right. York Post. They're doing and it. They're editors. SBI they're editors. now. This is no, not yeah. everything. everything. This is not Book, their gig. Booking interviews, booking uh, you know guests, everything from that on up to everything. I mean, uh, reservation of of the studio time and everything. And I ended up having, I mean, the announcement of the team. Uh, um, Reina on the show telling me how he will build the roster before you know David Villa was announced. Announced Villa arrival two or three times. Interviews with with, with David Villa. Gio Suarez was on the show two or three times, being champions of NASL. But but it's just like a you know one horse race. They are just fighting and fighting every time. Right. I mean, so, when you look at when you look at Brian Lewis on the post. Um, Stefan Bondi of Newsday. You mentioned Ryan Garbasi of, uh, rather, um, 
Ryan Garbasi of Newsday, uh, Stefan Bondi of the New York Daily News. I mean, they, they covered soccer because they love the sport and not because they were assigned. They did this on their time. I mean, and, and they were just like fighting for space. They were like, hey, we'll go out and do this on our time. Just give us a chance to, you know, be able to, uh, you know, to, you know, print it. So or put it on the Internet or do what you do. I mean, these guys have a real love and passion for the sport. You know, and it's just the editors who keep on saying no, 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 because they look at the immediate numbers and say, well, it didn't get this many hits. It didn't do this. But they don't let it grow. I mean, and then when you don't have the consistency, then it's hard to be able to, to think that it's going to grow, that you're going to be able to build it because you have to be consistent with it and then have a following and then make that following grow. Look at all that we do, Glenn, right, trying to build our radio broadcast. I mean, the reason we're doing this is to do to build our radio broadcast. The reason we do the Facebook Lives on uh, 90 minutes before the game and use 60 minutes before before the game is to build our radio broadcast. I mean, we tweet ad nauseum. I'm sure people are freaking sick of seeing all the tweets that we do about, you know, watch it, you know, listen Basically to the game you. on nycfc.com slash radio. I'm sure. But then at the same time, for as many people who might be sick of seeing it, oh, Jesus Christ, this again? You know, I also get a ton of people who follow me, you know, and who interact with me all the time and say, you mean you've been broadcasting the games? Well, since when? Since 2015. Really? I just thought you just started. Or I didn't even know the games were no. on radio. So no, as no. much as we do, it isn't enough. And we, we gotta, need more help. No, and we have to keep doing it because both of our audiences yeah. grew this year pretty considerably. Yes, and I'm sure it's uh, in great part to the amount that we that we put out there but you do and it now you're trying you do it you do it to promote your radio i do it just for the good of the club I, it's just, I'm oh. just <laughs> and uh oh my goodness. so let, let hey let's um let's move on and first of all i want to show that and uh ariel i want you to i want you to tell the story that you told us uh in, in, at the hotel but uh here's max Morales, who uh, he he didn't let hold this is the mls cup and from what you guys described, you saw him more with it. He never let this thing go. He went to bed with it and everything else. But Ariel, yeah. you were up at 2.30 in the morning. And what was going on on Instagram? Yeah, it was uh, an Instagram live. And um, it was Max's room. And there were, I don't know, <laughs> Callens, Tati Castellanos, uh, the Latin guys, basically, in, in the room, playing music, dancing, chanting, making silly things, but just enjoying the the time. They just were on the air for maybe 20 minutes. They just showed the, the trophy. They hugged the coffee, the, the trophy, sorry, uh, a little bit, and they, they were just happy and they wanted to show the the fans maybe, basically that they, they were having a very, very, very good time with the trophy and what, with all the people sharing that, that feeling. Um, uh, just uh, eight, seven hours after the game. That that was it. Yeah, uh, that's that's awesome to hear. Yeah, I don't think those boys went to bed and they were still celebrating in the morning. They were out in the streets. You know, everybody's running around with the trophy, but why not, right? Uh, well, when they were going to the stadium, when they were going, we're not to the stadium. When they're going to the ho from the hotel to the airport, yeah. so around the corner there was a plaza and there was a huge replica of MLS Cup. And they made the bus stop, and everybody got off the bus, and then they started singing and chanting and, ch and all, all around there. And there's videos all over social media of that as well. Then on the plane, Tati Castellanos had the trophy, and he and he and he put, gave it a window seat, 
and he was like protecting it. He was like, here's my companion for the flight. And on Sunday morning, uh, when they were about to leave the hotel for the airport, the one that brought the trophy was Maxi. So he slept with the trophy. The trophy was in <laughs> yeah. his room. Uh, so it was, it was like that. Well, Maxi... Uh, really, really well-behaved. No, in com if you compare with Atlanta United, the time they won the trophy and where yeah. the trophy end up. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's 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 move on to uh, the roster. I think that's a tease. Pardon? I think that is a tease by John. John, are you going to tell us or not? Well, people should know it. You follow MLS, you know that, right, Ari? But you're the one who started the story. Not everybody follows MLS. We've got new people here. You should finish the story. Well, some, of the, some, of the, some of the guys in that final, that Portland Timbers lost against Atlanta United, ended up partying early hours of the morning. That wasn't nights. That was early hours of the morning yeah. on a men's club. And, and, the MLS club, and the MLS <laughs> club ended up on the stage with the girls dancing and having, you know, their dance. And, and Darren Eels. Very good. Neils, the president of Atlanta United, I don't know if that's true or not, but the next day he had to go on media, on the local newspaper or whatever, saying, no, I was there and I was overseeing what was going on. Nothing faulty, nothing. <laughs> all right, it's, all, it's all here Good to say. Oh, no, there the were boys. videos and pictures. There were all videos right. and pictures on social media. All right. Well, we know. Nah. Uh... Yeah, no, there were legs over the cop and all that stuff, so... If you well, want great stories, guys, seriously, if you want to see really fantastic stories, read up, try, you know, Google stories about what has happened with the Stanley Cup, the NHL, the Stanley Cup, when T, when the, after they're, they're, they're given. Because every player gets to take it home for a day and what they have done with the Stanley Cup. I missed the Stanley Cup in 1994 because I came home from Bristol after calling the Rangers winning their first championship in 40 years. And I went to the bar at the corner, which is called the Raccoon Lodge. And my neighbors at the time were Mike Richter, Mike Leach, um, who was uh, Mark Messier. You know, half the Rangers lived on the Upper West Side. And so I went to the bar and I had a couple of drinks. It was two o'clock in the morning. And finally, I was exhausted. I went home, went to sleep, went to the bar the next day. And they go, oh, Rob, you don't know what you missed. I go, what, what happened? And they brought me and they brought out pictures that they had developed, you know, in a one hour in a one hour store. And the half the team had come with the Stanley Cup into the bar and everybody who was at the bar drank out of the Stanley Cup. <laughs> and then the next day they took it over to Belmont and uh, one of the horses that ran that ran the race and won a race. They gave it to, they, they gave them they gave them the Stanley Cup to drink water out of. So there are great stories like that. And, uh, you know, maybe they will do the same thing with MLS Cup and we'll have fantastic stories about what every player did with the Cup. I think it's a great thing that they should tell every – that they should allow every player to take the Cup home. And I don't care if the Cup is in Long Island. I don't care if the Cup's across the way in uh, New Jersey. I don't care if the Cup's in Midtown Manhattan. I don't care if it's in Bariloche, Argentina. I don't care if it's in somewhere – in the middle of Sweden, wherever you live, you get to take the cup home and celebrate with your family, your friends and your fans and, you know, put it out there on social media. It's freaking great. And there's the MLS should encourage this. Absolutely encourage this.
Well, I would say they shouldn't encourage everybody drinking out of the same cup at this point in time. Exactly. Well, maybe not that. You know, wash it for crying out loud. Throw some Lysol in it. Clean it out. Put another beer in. Lysol? Lysol? (laughs) Are you President Trump? I mean, what's that all about? All right. right. Let's keep moving. It was a little dig. It was a little uh, dig. Well, look, you mentioned Sweden, which is Anton Tinnerholm. Uh, a video that I'm not going to show because I don't want YouTube to close down again. Uh, started with Maxi Morales crying after the game right on the field and ended with Goody Torarensen choked up as well as the video was on him. So we mentioned Titterholm and Goody. And, and let's move on to what, you know, a little over 48 hours after this triumphant moment. And now uh, it's reality sets in. You have to make roster moves. You have to make announcements. And in this case, because there's an expansion team that has a draft tomorrow, Tuesday, at 7 p.m., you have to leave some players unprotected. So first, let's look at the uh, the roster moves that were announced by New York City FC. And uh, if you can't see it uh, that closely, we could just go through it really quickly. Uh, New York City, the big announcement for the club is that they've re-signed Eber, Nicolas Acevedo, and Gideon Zalalem. Those have been re-signed. Now... The big news, really, uh, when you when you look at this announcement, is uh, whose options were declined. Whoop, sorry, I'll get that off. Wrong one. Whose options were declined, and uh, the two that really stand out there are Goodwinder Torarensen uh, and Jesus Medina. And usually in these press releases, somewhere in there, if your option is declined, they'll put a little paragraph saying, uh, "Negotiations though continue." with Goody and Medina. That's not the case. And from what we've heard, just digging a little bit more, is that Medina and Torarensen have played their last games for New York City FC. I mean, what do you think, boys? I think I'm more shocked about Goody than I am about Medina. Because when you look at Medina, if he was a $200,000 player, then you take a flyer on him and say, hey, well, you know, he had a very good first half of the season, and then he dropped off in the second half. He has an excellent work rate. Defensively, he does a lot. But here's a guy who scored one goal in the last nine games. And, you know, that's just not enough for somebody who they expected to get major production from and who was a DP for, you know, the first years that he was here. So I'm not surprised that they're going to let him go because he's just not worth three quarters of a million dollars on a salary, on a roster that is salary cap. His you salary can't afford. Let me let me correct you. His salary yes. is one point one point one seven million dollars. Yeah, it went up. Yeah, there's no reason to keep him at that level. You just can't. You can't afford to. You need for that much money. You need a hell of a lot more production than that, and you're not getting it. And you know, if he's again a two hundred, three hundred, maybe even a four hundred thousand dollar player, fine. At one point, whatever or seven hundred when he started, you just can't. It just makes. Absolute sense that you're that you're saying thank you, but we're moving on. It's all about the money with him. It has to be John and Ariel because he was a favorite of Ronnie Dyla. I mean, he was a regular in the eleven always. Even when we felt, why not give uh, Ishmael Tajiri Shradi a bit of a deal? Shradi, by the way, his option was picked up by the club. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's kind of important to juxtapose it with Medina's uh, option uh, not exercised. And you know, these are. That's that's totally a budget move, I would think, freeing up a lot of cash. Yeah, yeah it also is. It, it, 
it, it frees up a log jam because you've got a lot of guys on the wing, especially two that you really, really want to play on the wing, which are Talis Magno and Tiago Andrade. That's why you brought those guys in. You want to play those guys. And so uh, that frees up space to give them more time. That doesn't mean that Tajiri Shradi isn't going to get time. That doesn't mean that Santi Rodriguez isn't going to get time. But you figure that if New York City even resigns Maxi Morales, which I figure that they will, I'd be surprised if they don't. Hopefully they can come to an economic agreement. Both, you know, the team wants him, he wants to stay. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's probably going to be about money. So uh, is there enough can money we, in the uh, budget? Can I interrupt for a moment and then we'll just pick right up on it? Uh, this is what David yeah. Lee told me. Uh, before the New England game about Maxi seems to have gotten into another gear here in the uh, second half of the season. So you're the guy who knows and talks about it. Is uh, is there a strong possibility he'll be back? I'd like to think so. Um, I think we've been talking to him for some time. Um, I think our intention is we'd like to keep him. Um, the starting point of those conversations, I think, is always really helpful when Maxi says he'd like to stay and we'd like to keep him. That's a good start. Now, there's a lot of work that then goes into making that a reality for both yeah. sides that, that uh, every side is comfortable and happy with. Um, I, I love Maxi. I think he's he is still so important to our team and the way we play. Um, he's a difference maker around the goal. Um, he helps us be calm in possession. He's the one who solves problems for us in build-up. Um, and just, you know, I know I've heard Ronnie describe him as the brains of the team, and it's just such an accurate description of, of who he is and what he gives to us. And so um, if we can find a solution for him to stay uh, next year, I'd certainly like that to happen. But there's a lot more work to do to, to be able to get there. Again, about money, I guess. That's uh, pretty plain. <laughs> it's you know, what it is. Come to an agreement. You know. And but Max, well, he's, he's, a lot of cash. He's, uh, he's the highest paid player on the team at $3.2 million. Right. So that's, but, that's it looks, but it looks that the... Um, the corners are closer this time than the last time around because last year was more tense, right? Right. And they ended up getting into an agreement. So if you start on the right foot, you be, you know, you you will think that they are actually going to walk the walk and finish with an agreement. Well, there's a difference here because the last contract that he signed wasn't with David Lee. He signed that with Claudio Reyna, and that was extremely contentious extremely yep. contentious and i mean privately maxi was fuming at claudio reyna so uh you know this is a different relationship there's a different synergy there and it looks like yeah, you know great. maxi wants to stay david wants them they're getting along that's a good thing so uh you know i i would be very surprised if it doesn't get done now the other uh clip i want to run from the david lee interview regards tati castellanos and that's his stock obviously has uh, risen, and now what kind of interest is he drawing, and what will it take? And, and those are kind of the things I was talking about with David. What kind of season Castellanos has had, has it doubled his value, tripled his value? I mean, what kind of role does that play now in perhaps uh, somebody coming here in the offseason and having a chat with you all? So a player's worth whatever anyone is willing to pay. That's the reality. Okay. And, and so, well, I'm so curious yeah. as to how you come up with that figure. How do you know? How do you decide? So that we, we, we are very fortunate at City Football Group. We have a lot of people who have been through many, many transactions of players over their vast careers in football that I can lean on for help and support. We've got benchmarks of similar types of players that have moved right. me from other leagues to other clubs or from within MLS to other clubs. Um, and you try and piece all of that together along, alongside ultimately what we think of the player and come to a, 
a number that we think is right. Um, I think it's very clear his value has increased dramatically from, from where it was at the beginning of the season, um, given his performances and, and the level that he's shown he's capable to play at, that we always believed he, he was able to do, and he's, he's now shown that. So we're obviously confident his value has gone up. It's difficult to say what number that will, will get to because if you have two clubs that really, really want him and are desperate to sign him, then it's a very different situation right. than if you're just dealing with one. And, and the reality is, like I say, he will be worth whatever someone is willing to pay. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're going to be working with him, with his representatives, with uh, my colleagues in, in Manchester to go through that process over, over the coming weeks um, to see if there are clubs that, that are interested. Um, January is a difficult market for European clubs, particularly still off the back of COVID, that the transfer market is not back to where it was. Right. So let's see what the market brings and uh, we'll be ready to, to adapt and react whatever comes our way. All right, Ariel, what do you have for us off of that? <laughs> I was just um, surfing the internet and I just found uh, a news published by what? The Daily Mirror. The Daily Mirror and the Mail Online. There are several versions of it, but apparently the uh, West Ham in the Premier League, the English Premier League is tracking down Valentin Castellanos, especially is it, that's important today after Pep Guardiola. I don't know if you saw this, guys. Uh, he spoke wonderful things about Castellanos and he said, Guardiola, that he thinks that he needs to go to Europe and maybe uh, that's uh, the next step for him. We we're thinking about waiting for another season or whatever, but <laughs> hey, if Guardiola, if Guardiola says that, does the price tag go up a couple of million dollars? You know, it's like you hope. Not hey, only you a hope. couple. Um, this article says that uh, apparently a Turkish club has offered 15 million pounds, which is around 20 million US dollars. Wow. For Castellanos. Wow. Uh, that's but true. That's, that, 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 that's the that, kind of figure that's like a slam dunk for the club, isn't it? Yeah. 20 million? That has been rejected, apparently. Yeah. New York City rejected the, that offer. Wow. All right. Well, that's a good opening salvo, right? 20 million. Yeah. You go, nah, thank you. Appreciate the offer. The, so, the Turkish the thing about team, New York City. Yeah. The Turkish team, according to this article, is Besiktas, which is the, okay. same, the same club as... Um, Kyle um, Lahren, is it? Kyle Lahren. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Is that, is, I mean, that, that wouldn't be, you know, the ideal destination for Tati. Yeah. And and if, you know, I mean, you want to be someone right now, you want to be Tati Castellanos' agent. <laughs> but well, uh, according, <laughs> according to sources, he has a meeting with his agent once he, once he gets back to Argentina. So yeah. he's going to be traveling to Argentina this week. And uh, he has a meeting. So now New York City has a decision to make. So, you know, it, people say, well, what, are, what else is there to accomplish in Major League Soccer? He got golden boot, won a championship. You know, it's time to move. It, it, no, it's a valid argument. Okay. Well, there's one more argument. And I'll, get, I'll add this argument to it. Okay. There is something that no club in Major League Soccer has done. Okay. And that is when... CONCACAF Champions League in, the, in its present version, okay? You know, Mexico has wiped the floor with the United States and Canada in this tournament. Some of the, some of the, some of the games have been competitive, but, you know, and, new, and uh, MLS clubs have come close to be able to winning it. Uh, you think about Toronto 
losing in penalty kicks in Guadalajara. You think about Real Salt Lake losing to Monterrey at home, one nothing after having tied in Monterrey. Uh, LAFC holding a lead on Tigres until you know the, midway through the second half and dominating that game, but they couldn't see it out. So there's been chances to win, but they haven't done it. And there's a huge measuring stick between what Liga MX is and what MLS is. And the fact of the matter is, is that the top six or seven clubs in Mexico can spend whatever the hell they want. And most of them spend two to three times what MLS clubs are allowed to spend. So it's hard for MLS clubs to be able to win this championship because you're not comparing our apples. You're not comparing oranges to oranges. What, you're comparing wait, apples to but oranges. Roberto, I'm, but, what are you? Yeah. What are you leading to? Are you? Le- are you? Leading my, my to point is the club is unwilling to let Tati go even at a good price because they no, have no, a no, no, CCL. No, my my point my point is that there is an argument for him to stay here and spend one more year before trying to sell him, and the reason being that if New York City can become that first club to win CONCACAF Champions League, it is a huge feather in their cap to be able to do that. And right now there is a huge difference between New York City with Tati Castellanos and New York City without Tati Castellanos, okay? And unless you're replacing him with somebody who's going to be able to contribute like he's contributing, right, then it makes it harder to sell if you – because now by winning MLS Cup, you've qualified to Champions League. So now I think you have an obligation to go out and try to win that because that is a huge trophy. Can can I add something that I did not put from the – I followed up with David on that uh, Tati Castellanos question with the following. How much does the player and their agent – the role and the blend between what the player wants and what the club wants? And all David said is, you know, you, you, you have that discussion but it has to be the right price. He didn't say anything about competitions. And I, I don't know. I, I don't I, I don't necessarily agree with you. If they can get the right price, he's not gonna be in uniform. Yeah, that's yeah, that, that that's not uh, I, 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 I get that part, but let me ask you this. I think that if we ask David Lee that question today versus you have asking him three weeks ago. Right. You asked him that question three weeks ago or four weeks ago. No, no, right? not that long. The Easter Conference semifinals. That's yes, two OK, weeks. so it's what, two, two to three weeks. OK, two right. to three weeks. Things have changed now. Team won a championship. So and now you, you're, you're you have been invited into you're, you're participating now in two different competitions against Mexico, but being the principal one being the, the CONCACAF Champions League. Right. And. I mean, I, maybe I feel it's more important than what John feels, because for those of you not watching this live, I'm watching John shake his head every time I open my mouth. So uh, and now he's agreeing with me. So uh, he doesn't feel that way. But hey, wait a I minute. feel this way. I, want every, I feel look, very this, strongly about this. This is very important. I want this for the rest of the podcast. You understand? It is very positive. Uh, energy. We just have a different Point that's of view, the, and that's, that's, that's the team I'm taking too. But, Notice I haven't been very negative. With it. I've got, but I've got one thing is one thing is selling a guy who is uh, 23 right now for 20 millions, and they are rejecting the 20 millions, hoping to get 25 maybe for him. Yeah. Uh, All right. One thing is is trading or trading or selling a guy at 23 years old, and another thing is trying to do the same when you are 25. Because basically yeah. what Roberto is selling, saying is wait until you're 25. That's a long time for Castellanos. And, and the other side of this is, look, that. The, but the other side of this is, is, and no one would anticipate this, 
But what if he goes from 19 goals to 10? To three. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yes. or whatever, he you gets, know? He gets hurt. Oh, he right, gets exactly. He turns his ACL. There's yeah. 20 million. There's 20 million of examples yeah. of players. I absolutely. Under... Go ahead, John. It's 20 million of examples of players on their pick that decided for you know X or Y reason to stay on their place and regret it. You are as a player, you are a product, and you gotta take care of those moments. And Tati Castellanos was. Uh, a player that was being looked by play, uh, teams in Brazil. And we know it. And that's why they extend the contract in the middle of the season, because they want to make sure that he felt that he was appreciated and that he will have what he wanted here. So it's not new. It's not the first time that he's going to have options and opportunities to leave. This is the moment for him to leave in the sense of his career, his age, and, and the kind of contract and the kind of uh, um, uh, approach that NYCFC can have to this negotiation, then they both are going to win out of this. Now, in the terms of the football, football-wise, I don't think he should leave right now in the winter window because he's coming out of a long season because he's going to go, if he goes to Europe, he's going to go straight into competition and he has to perform because he's coming to Europe. And then he's tired and he's, you know, he doesn't have any time for adaptation. So the best window to go is the summer window. And I think staying six months will be great for him and they will balance out the options. I don't think he is um, a slam dog approval of his uh, working permit in Premier League. I don't think so, even though he was with the U23 national team. But he didn't play that much. They didn't qualify to the Olympics. Oh, no. They went to the Olympics. He wasn't called up to the Olympics. So I don't think that he would have the, the, um, the, the work permit for Premier League like right away. So that's something, you know, that can interfere with the negotiations. So he has well, that means that he can also that, – that also means he, he can play in the CONCACAF Champions League. I don't know. He has to – what the point is that that is, not the, that is not the argument. The argument – because the club has two – create the roster with whatever they can for their competitions, seize that out. That's actually the, the, um, a, a good sporting director will see that coming. If NYCFC doesn't have now three or four candidates to replace Tati Castellanos, they're not doing their work. They see that coming from a year ago. They're working on it. So it's, it's just a matter of, having the good conversations, making sure that, because you don't want the guy to stay either way. It just, you know, you're going to stay, period. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. This is not slavery. You no, need a exactly. guy that no, wants I get to that. be with you. You want a right. guy to, who wants to be with you. And, and, and a player that has this high ceiling and the good moment is not going to say because I want to win another competition. Come on. I don't even know if next year I'm going to be on this level here. I don't know what's going to happen with life. So I want to take advantage of what it can build from now on. All right. So the next, <clears throat> pardon me, the next stage of uh, where we take this is uh, the expansion draft and the unprotected players around the league, but specifically for us, NYCFC. First of all, I, I, I thought I would just show the, uh, the kind of the expansion rules. And uh, there's five clubs, including the Red Bulls who are exempt because they had players taken by Austin. But uh, so, 
Charlotte gets five picks from all the different players that are out there. What is it? 200 and some 58 players. And they get to pick five of them and no more than one from any team. So here's the list for New York city. Excuse me. Um, And the, the players that stand out here and that, that have caused uh, the most uh, commotion are Malde Amundsen and, um, uh, well, uh, and Anton Tinnerholm. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, there have been, there have been some people who are uh, like this, for instance, here, Ethan Cooney, he's just, he just, uh, he doesn't want to see Goody Malde or, or Anton go. Uh, I think there's another one here where. Uh, easy. You know, he says wow. easy. Is Izzy on it? Is, no, yes. Izzy, no, he's, is, Izzy, is he on the list? No, he's not. I didn't see is he on the list. No, he. I think oh. he's referring to the fact that Izzy is, you know, is the one that can is safe. I'm not sure how he put it. No, put out the list again. Okay, hold put on. The list again. Is. All he right. Is on the list. Oh, Izzy is on the list. Okay. Yes, he is. Hold on. Yeah, he's there on the list. Oh, there he is. Sorry about oh. that, guys. Yeah, he is on the but list. Here's the thing: when I saw this, and I'm like, oh my god, hey, that, New York City is in real danger of losing Anton Tenderholm. Because if I'm Charlotte, how do you not pick him? I know that he's coming off an Achilles. I know that he's coming off an Achilles tear, but people recover from that. They, they, you know, it doesn't permanently hurt them. You know, you recover from that, and he's a top level player. You know, you're going to get him for half a season per se. You're not going to get him for the full season. But I I know he's. I know he's a lot of money, but he's damn worth it, John. John is, give, is giving me the signal that he's depend. worth a lot of money. I'm giving you the signal. I'm going to give you the signal. There's no way Anton's going to get picked. There's no way Maxi Morales is going to get picked. And Malde, I don't know. And the thing that that, that there's two. I don't I, worry about Maxi. They're le- no. I worry Maxie, about Anton. I, I know. No, don't worry about Anton. Okay. You've got Malde Amundsen and Goody Terrarinson. Both your left backs are on this list. And then Goody, you haven't um, you haven't exercised the option, so you wonder if things are going on. Like if Malde gets selected, and Goody, then, you know, said no, no to, then what are they doing on the left side? It, all this is a strategic. They went through the scenarios. Yeah, you have on that list players that you know the other team can actually right. afford that right. contract because right. you know sure. how many players they already contracted. How, you know what? What is the status of those players, and and what is the money that they're actually going to play for those players? So, if they take, you, if, let's say, if you take, uh, you were saying Anton, that is a player that you're going to build your defense around, in some way, yeah. right? And they already have uh, Christian Forge, for example, right? He's actually waiting for them to play with them, so right. you're not going to spend that much money on the two players on your defense because then what are you going to play with? Remember you have salary cap here. So the, it is a strategic. And I, think I get that. Also, I just wanted to say, Roberto, Gideon Zalalem's on the list, but I kind of cut it off when I uh, did the screen. Yeah. He's at the bottom of this also. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And then look, they just said that they signed him there. I don't think they're expecting to lose him or ever. I mean, ever isn't on the list, but uh, you know, I, I also remember Glenn, when we spoke, with, uh, I forget if it was David Lee or the coaching staff. They're, they're really high on, um, where is he? Now I just lost his name again. And Chris Gloucester, right? And we, we know he didn't play much this year. But they really like Chris, Chris Gloucester. And they really feel that he's probably the best left back that they've got. So uh, I think that he's going to get a real, real chance to earn the starting position. 
for for next year with a full training camp and everything. Is Chris Paul is going to be a big player. When you do that in the Tavon Gray, when you do that in the Tavon Gray way, though, understudy to Anton, then gets his chance. Gloucester, understudy to Amundsen or whoever. Right, and then gets his chance. I don't think you just give him the job, man. No, the ch- no, but I don't think you're giving him the job. I think he's going to be. Uh, I think that he's obviously they're letting Goody go because they know that they've got uh, that they've got Gloucester there, and they're going to have Gloucester compete with Ivanson for first choice. And uh, I'm not no, too sure that Ivanson is losing. Can you hold on? Let Ariel speak. Can you can you guys imagine Gloucester facing Monterrey or America or exactly. Chivas or whatever? I mean, they need they need experience next year, especially next year. They need experience. Exactly, that's your third guy. You building the roster. You're gonna call the guys for preseason. Yeah, you like the guy, and and you're up for what he can achieve, and and you're giving him the tools to grow. Yeah, he's my third guy on that position. You know, that's that's the. Well, least who's your well, who's your first two? No, no. If I'm he's saying... your three, who's your first two? You have already the guys, the experienced guys. They're going to take care of that. You cannot renew those guys. You don't have those guys. You find experience. Then come the others. Gloucesters, those kind of players. Salalem. It's just, they're, you know, some are core, some are not. Some are building out their careers like, like Gloucester, for example. And, and some are Salalem that is, to be honest, is, is, is a crash shoot right now. I don't even understand why. The, the fact that they uh, pick out the option is because it's, you know, it's a good competition to fill out the roster, and it's cheap. It's the only reason. Because he, well, he, he played well towards the end of the years, season. They bring nothing more than no, but player for Zalalem played well at the end of the season. For, forget the game that against Philadelphia where he gets red carded, okay? But every time that he came off the bench, he showed something positive. Ronnie liked him, and Ronnie was, was looking at him. You know, he adds something to our midfield that we didn't have before. So he liked it. He liked what he saw out of Zalalem. That's the reason why they're keeping him. Yeah, as a, as a 23, 24 man in the roster. Well, well, we'll see. He was on the bench for every game down the stretch, except the one that he was suspended. So it's not like he's just a throw-in, mind you. You know, the, the, there's, there's times in a game where they, he felt, where Ronnie felt that he was going to add something, add something very positive, that he was going to give the team control of the ball, he was going to spread the ball around, that he had good vision. There's a lot of positives to Zalalem, who the reason he didn't play for the past two years, for most of it, was because he was hurt. But now that he was healthy and he was able to contribute, he actually did. So I think that he's going to be somebody who's going to get a lot more minutes than most people think next year. I don't think so. Acevedo, Morales, Sands, and Parks. Where is he playing? Coming off the bench, but he's going to get more minutes. And people get hurt. No, he, he gave you four names for two positions. There's going to be more than two positions for him. He's not only a six. Well. And wh- what happens to, to Aronson? Is he definitely out of the picture? or what's no, going the, on? Word is, the word is, is that the way it was listed, um, I, I tried to dig a little bit, but not not a hundred percent guarantee, but the assumption is is that he's done, and maybe we'll find out more at the uh, at the uh, the victory. You know, this celebration is, you know, it's too bad this has to be announced the day before they're going to go out and yeah. you know have a good time because uh, it's certain it's awful they... on MLS. It's yeah. awful on MLS. They, yeah. Why? I mean, what's the rush of having to have this two days? after or four days after MLS Cup. Why can't you do that on a Friday 
and then at least let the guys enjoy the parade. And then you tell them on a Wednesday, let them have three or four days to enjoy the fact that they won a championship before you tell them, by the way, uh, we're having a parade, but uh, see ya. Well, or not maybe a parade, that, uh, but maybe that's why Goody was so emotional at the end of the game because he already knew it's possible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they probably yeah. all knew. Yeah. All right. Anybody want to add anything else? Uh, what time are you showing up tomorrow? I, what time are we supposed to be? <laughs> I've got to take the train in the morning. Huh? 10 o'clock in the morning. We need to be there by our, then? Yeah, our registration is 10, 10 o'clock in the morning, and then everything starts a couple of hours after that. All right. <coughs> oh, I have my throat starting again. Well, so hopefully to everyone that's still viewing uh, or who sees this again or hears us on the podcast, um, we'll, we'll have some uh, interviews to share with you. And uh, but we'll see how it goes. You know, you never know how these things are going to go. And uh, but it's yeah. a celebration. And and for the four of us, uh, I know we all felt the same way about being out there and calling the game. It was just uh, enormous, just enormous. Yeah. It, it was. It's it, it, it's 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 a milestone mark in my career. Anyway, to be able to be there, to enjoy that, to call that game. You know, after seven years with this team, being there from day one. Um. To be able to to see that and see the guys celebrate and see the guys be happy, you know, we, we've seen their up and downs. We saw, you know, what was going on with this team when they went 509 minutes without a goal, and then, you know, how everything changed after that. And uh, to see it all work out uh, to win a championship in, in that atmosphere, in that incredible, lovely stadium, and that beautiful city with with those amazing fans that they have in Toronto and not taking anything away from the New York city fans, you know, a thousand strong who flew across country, got there somehow. How many? 1500. And they were in Portland. We were in Portland, not Toronto, but I know it's getting late. Toronto. I'm sorry. Did I say Toronto? I am so sorry in Portland. And um, I mean, that that is just absolutely amazing. Uh, Did you know? Unforgettable moment for me. It really is. Did you see this stat too? Just to share it, you talked about the 509 minutes without scoring for New York City at one point. The Timbers had, when Tati scored, the Timbers had gone 300 minutes in playoff soccer without conceding a goal. They're tough to score on that. So that's um, and to do it at their place and off a set piece where New York City. That's one of the reasons they're in the position they are and they're carrying the cup around is they they really up their game on the set piece market this year. Robert Vartugium. Yep. yep. Give him credit. Give him Hey, he and was I just want amazing wanna, at that. I want to give this guy a shout out before we go off. This guy uh Tony Larson on the right. Oh yeah. And he was out there and he, I you know Tony is a guy that and uh, Roberto I think the same thing happened to you. He introduced himself to us like immediately. And he's always telling us how appreciative he is. And I know a lot of the, and we, we went to that after party and it was kind of nice where everybody was approaching us and just about how, how they do appreciate the things that we do. Uh, yeah. And, and, and I, one guy came up and said, look, I don't have cable, man. I, uh, all the road games, I listen to you, you know, and I, that's the kind of stuff that uh, local radio, I think is impactful uh, to a supporters group and, and, and to a, to a franchise for some of those very reasons. But Tony Larson's a kind of supporter, man. He's been there for the start. He's a guy that is always this. Mm-hmm. Where is it? Yeah. Positive. Yeah. He gives positive Dude. energy, man. And he deserved he deserved it as much as anybody to, to watch them reach that cup. He he land he actually landed in Portland uh 
like a couple of minutes, like an hour before the game. He oh, landed in. Yeah, I didn't he did. Oh, yeah, wow. he did. He landed wow. in Portland. He was rushing to the game. <laughs> oh, God. You know, Glenn, I don't know if you remember this, but when we were doing the law, was it live? I guess we taped soccer in the city, downtown in Soho. Remember, we did that on Portland yeah. Street on the pop-up yeah. store, yeah. right? He came to our recordings, right? Because we invited the audience to come. We invited people to come. And he was one of the people that came and, and uh, watched our recordings of Soccer in the City. And uh, I, I always appreciated that. And I appreciate every fan that comes up to us and thanks us for everything, you know, that, uh, that they enjoy our, our broadcast and they enjoy what we put out on social media and, you know, the way that we cover that we cover their team. And in many ways, we're liaisons for, for, for all the fans. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad that they enjoy what we do. It, it really means a lot to us. We don't take any fan for granted in, in, in that way. We really appreciate them. They do a wonderful job supporting the team. I mean, these guys just, it's amazing how much heart they have, you know, for uh, New York City FC. It's great to see. And when you look at the way this season began, and what was happening with the supporters when New York City had to play games at, at Red Bull Arena, and then the way it ends and everything galvanizes and everybody's together and the way that they pulled together to support this team and the noise that they brought and the passion that they brought, that helped every player that was on the field. I mean, that helped us make, make us better broadcasters. And so uh, I really want to thank all the fans for everything they did and the way that they came together and uh, really supported everything that was New York City FC. It's great to see. And my man is back. And since I'm engineering this broadcast, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> my boy Ever is back. <laughs> More good times uh, the, with that, Ever. He, the, he is unbelievable. The bright light of that locker room. I mean, he is a shining he, light of that locker room. all that. Oh, he's that and more. Yeah, he's he's that, that and more. All right, guys. Uh, everybody talks about that. What, what are the positive energy and smiles and everything that he brings to that locker room? That's yeah, great. Well, we'll Glad to see that he's back. Yep, 100% healthy, and now he's uh, work his way back in. All right, boys. Well, there's uh, Ariel Hudis, John Rojas, Roberto Abramowitz. I'm Glenn Crooks. We were your radio commentary teams for MLS Cup, but congratulations to New York City FC, the staff, the players, supporters, and uh, good ride. And uh, where we will be next, we don't know, but we'll let you know on our social media. Yeah, what the heck? Right? Sorry, February tw fe Sunday, no, February 27, 5 o'clock. Uh, no, it's, it's February 27, 5 o'clock. It's the LA Galaxy so in Carson, California. So you've signed your radio contract then already. <laughs> well, we haven't had a contract in three years. What are you talking about? Well, the agreement. We, we've worked. We've worked on a handshake agreement for three years now. That's Have you signed anything? Idea. I haven't signed anything. That's the kind of guys we are. Yep. Glenn, let's do one. Let's do one from the White House. Let's do one for the White House. Oh, let's we're going to do that. Soccer in the city from the White House. From the White House. Let's do it. <laughs> Oh, that'll be great. They better take us. Soccer in the West Wing. All right, boys. Uh, everybody, have a great night. Uh, great to chat with you all, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Good night, everybody. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.